original manuscript on the temporally integrated causality landscape has been impressed for several months now. Having not heard anything from Christoph Koch, I decided to send him an email and ask him if he had seen it. He got back with me the same day and told me that he had seen it, but that he had not yet read it. Unfortunately for me, he also told me that we don't lack for theories. We have lots of them. What we lack is high-quality experiments with the appropriate granularity. I understand his point, but I found the response highly dismissive. I hope that he does read my work, and I hope it changes his mind. Integrated Information Theory, IIT, takes an interesting approach that I find really impressive. It took me some thinking to get a handle on it, and when I did, I liked it more. Nevertheless, something about it didn't seem right to me. It seemed rather almost right. I developed my own theoretical framework because I wanted to try to solidly determine, based on what I could learn from existing theories and what the evidence seems to show, the best explanation for consciousness. That is, I wanted to be convinced of the veracity of a theory. I sat down and drafted my ideas in rough form. Then I returned to the literature and I saw that my idea was pretty much identical to IIT. This surprised me because there was something, some move in IIT that had made me skeptical. Then I found it. It was the exclusion principle. The conclusions of IIT are wrong, according to my thinking, on account of that damn exclusion principle. Guys like Christoph Koch have been writing books and papers, lots of articles celebrating the unexpected ramifications of IIT for our universe, essentially that consciousness must be everywhere. IIT starts with five axioms and infers postulates about the physical substrate of consciousness, or PSC. They use the term PSC because there is no reason in principle that the substrate is obliged to be a biological brain. I'll share the axioms with you in this episode and give you my thoughts. I began this discussion in episode 6, in which I described my theoretical framework, the temporally integrated causality landscape. In this episode, I'll focus more directly on IIT and try to help you understand it. If you are a listener to this podcast, then you know I have a lot of respect for Christoph Koch. He and Francis Crick first coined the term Neural Correlates of Consciousness, or NCC. After I acquired my PhD and began to turn my intellectual energy to the problem of consciousness, the first thing I did was read Koch. In recent years, he has developed a friendship and collaboration with Giulio Tononi and become a serious advocate of IIT. Koch's endorsement for that theory is a valuable one. IIT is not some crackpot idea. I think it is worth coming to grips with its insights. First, I'll share with you what Koch had to say in his book, Consciousness, Confessions of a Romantic Reductionist. He wrote, quote, It is a commonplace observation that any conscious state is extraordinarily informative. In fact, it is so specific that you will never re-experience the exact same feeling, ever. Not only that, any conscious state rules out an uncountable number of alternative experiences. When you open your eyes in a pitch-black room, you see nothing. Pure darkness seems to be the simplest visual experience you could have. Indeed, you might think that it conveys almost no information. However, the pitch-black percept implies that you don't see a quiet, well-lit living room, or the granite face of Yosemite's half-dome, or any frame of any movie filmed in the past or in the future. Your subjective experience implicitly rules out all these other things you could have seen, could have imagined, could have heard, could have smelled. This reduction in uncertainty, also known as entropy, is how the father of information theory, the electrical engineer Claude Shannon, defined information. To wit, each conscious experience is extraordinarily informative, extraordinarily differentiated, unquote. 
This passage has some valuable contents. First, we get the general definition of what is meant in IIT by information. It means the reduction of uncertainty. We might say that it is a measure of specificity. The more possible alternatives in the state of a system, the more information there must be in a given state. According to IIT, a given state is highly differentiated. With all the possible states of the thalamocortical system, consciousness must be very informative. Cope continues, quote, Conscious states share a second property. They are highly integrated. Any conscious state is a monad, a unit. It cannot be subdivided into components that are experienced independently. No matter how hard you try, you can't see the world in black and white, nor can you see only the left or right half of your visual field." Unquote. This second passage brings in the importance of integration. Consciousness is unified. Coke calls any conscious state a monad, a single unit. Does this necessarily follow from the observation that consciousness is unified? I don't think it does, and I'll explain why when I finish characterizing IIT in more detail. The bottom line, based on Koch's writing, is that both differentiation and integration are keys to consciousness. I agree, I agree on both accounts. I think there is ample evidence to support that. I want to share a little more from Koch's book before moving on to a primary source for IIT. Koch writes, quote, Integrated information theory introduces a precise measure capturing the extent of consciousness. Phi. Expressed in bits, phi quantifies the reduction of uncertainty that occurs in a system, above and beyond the information generated independently by its parts when that system enters a particular state. The parts, the modules of the system, account for as much non-integrated independent information as possible. Thus, if all of the individual chunks of the brain taken in isolation already account for much of the information, little further integration has occurred. Phi measures how much the network in its current state is synergistic, the extent to which the system is more than the sum of its parts. Thus, phi can be considered to be a measure of the holism of the network. Integrated information theory makes a number of predictions. Of the more counterintuitive and therefore powerful ones is that integrated information arises from causal interactions within the system. When those interactions cannot take place anymore, even though the actual state of the system remains unchanged, phi shrinks." Unquote. IIT theorists measure phi in small model systems, and according to the theory, the system of elements in the thalamocortex across which this value is maximal is the physical substrate of consciousness, or PSC. I too found the idea of causality being central to consciousness counterintuitive, but ultimately I like the idea, and my own theory agrees on that point. Now that we have this general background, let's get into a review article on IIT by Giulio Tononi, Melanie Boli, Marcello Massimini, and Christoph Koch. This will give us a lot more detail. Here, the five axioms of IIT are described as well as the postulates that they derive from them with regard to the physical substrate of consciousness. The paper says, quote, The first axiom of IIT states that experience exists intrinsically. As recognized by Descartes, my own experience is the only thing whose existence is immediately and absolutely evident, and it exists for myself from my own intrinsic perspective. The corresponding postulate states the PSC must also exist intrinsically. For something to exist in a physical sense, it must have cause-effect power. That is, it must be possible to make a difference to it, and it must be able to make a difference to something. Moreover, the PSC must exist intrinsically, that is, it must have cause-effect power for itself from its own intrinsic perspective. 
unquote. All right, so they make a move here that I don't quite agree with. It appears in the definition of intrinsic. According to my own framework, the TICL, conscious contents exist to me. I do not exist to myself. This distinction, I think, is an important one and an area of disagreement that I have with IIT. But anyway, let's move on. The axiom of composition states that experience is structured, being composed of several phenomenal distinctions that exist within it. For example, within an experience, I may distinguish a piano, a blue color, a book, countless spatial locations, and so on. Based on this axiom, IIT postulates that the elements that constitute the PSC must also have cause-effect power within the PSC, either alone or in combination." Unquote. Okay, fine. I describe consciousness as a composition of contents. That's pretty much what they're saying. The theorists claim that the elements that make up the substrate must themselves have cause-effect power. That makes sense from where I'm sitting. Let's look at axiom number three. Quote, the axiom of information states that an experience is specific, being composed of a particular set of phenomenal distinctions, qualia, which make it what it is and different from other experiences. The corresponding postulate states that the PSC must specify a cause-effect structure of a specific form, which makes it different from other possible forms." Unquote. So the physical substrate of consciousness is composed of cause and effect relationships among its elements. Each possible configuration or state specified by the substrate yields a different experience. Got it. On to number four. The axiom of integration states that each experience is unitary, meaning that it is composed of a set of phenomenal distinctions bound together in various ways that is irreducible to non-interdependent subsets. For example, I experience a whole visual scene, and that experience cannot be subdivided into independent experiences of the left and right sides of the visual field. In other words, the content of an experience is integrated within a unitary consciousness. The corresponding postulate states that the cause-effect structure specified by the PSC must also be unitary. That is, it must be irreducible to the cause-effect structure specified by non-interdependent subsystems. Note that from the intrinsic perspective of the system, integration requires that every part of the system has both causes and effects within the rest of the system, which implies bidirectional interactions." Unquote. Okay, the system of causes and effects is made up of elements, and you can't separate any of these groups of elements out of the system without reducing the information. Let's look at the fifth and final axiom of IIT. The axiom of exclusion states that an experience is definite in its content and spatiotemporal grain. The duration of the instant of consciousness is also definite, ranging from a few tens of milliseconds to a few hundred milliseconds, rather than lasting a few microseconds or a few minutes. The corresponding postulate states that the cause-effect structure specified by the PSC must also be definite. It must specify a definite set of cause-effect repertoires over a definite set of elements, neither less nor more, nor the, neither finer nor coarser, because a prerequisite for intrinsic existence is having irreducible cause-effect power, the cause-effect structure that actually exists over a set of elements and spatiotemporal grains is that which is maximally irreducible, FIMAX called a conceptual structure." Unquote. I like the internal consistency of these axioms and their postulates, but I think the conclusion is ultimately wrong. Sam Harris expressed skepticism about this idea in his notes at the end of Waking Up. Harris writes, quote, why would the difference between consciousness and unconsciousness be a matter of a distributed neural process that is both highly integrated and highly differentiated? 
And why should the time course of such integration be a few hundred milliseconds? What if it were a few hundred years?" Unquote. The axiom of exclusion seems to demand that conscious experience occurs in a series of complete instants. These periods of time, perhaps a couple hundred milliseconds each, are like snapshots, one after another. The problem is that the axioms are meant to be self-evident truths about consciousness which need to be accounted for by the theory. I do not see that it is self-evident that consciousness occurs that way in a sequence of discrete and complete experiences. Rather, I observe that conscious experience is continuous across time until it ceases, and the contents of consciousness come and go dynamically. According to IIT, the instants of experience are specified by the exact arrangement of cause-effect interactions occurring in the thalamic cortex over that period. Given the other axioms, I see how it all comes together in this way, but I'm not quite convinced. Integrated information theory says that consciousness is a monad, a single unified thing corresponding to the maximally irreducible cause-effect structure, the one with the most information. In his book, Koch describes this monad as a crystal. And I think this analogy for IIT is a good one because it shows, crystallizes, as it were, the thing to which I can't agree. A crystal suggests a solid, complete, and complex geometrical structure that exists discreetly in space and time. According to IIT, conscious experience is just such a thing. One thing now, another now, another now, and on and on. Each frame yields a different crystal, a different experience one after another. And according to the first axiom, it exists to itself, from its own intrinsic point of view. In developing the Temporally Integrated Causality Landscape, TICL, I looked at the same problem, drew insight from IIT and global neuronal workspace theorists, and came to a different solution. With regards to axioms 2, 3, and 4, I have little to disagree with. It is helpful, though, to further unpack the impl implications of axioms 1 and 5. These axioms state that consciousness exists intrinsically and that consciousness is definite in its content and spatial and temporal grain, respectively. The latter is known as the axiom of exclusion. Consider the crystal that represents the conceptual structure for consciousness according to IIT. The structure is composed of a large set of elements that have the maximally irreducible cause-effect power, which is to say, the most information. According to the first axiom of IIT, this structure exists to itself. It experiences itself exactly as it is. Accordingly, a moment later, let's allow a full second to pass. The crystal is a different one. It is made up of many elements that weren't in the first crystal. It experiences itself. I have a couple of immediate concerns here. First, doesn't the fact that it is a new thing imply that it is a new conscious mind? One crystal, one conscious entity. A second crystal, a second conscious entity. I cannot immediately rule this out, of course, but it certainly does not jive with the phenomenology of being a continuous conscious mind. I note that the contents of my consciousness are always changing, but it seems to me that the mind itself is continuous over those changes. Secondly, it occurs to me that there must be thousands and thousands of coexisting and overlapping crystals in the brain at the same time. As long as they have some level of irreducibly integrated information, then they too exist. Are there then thousands of conscious entities to be accounted for? Bring in the axiom of exclusion. That takes care of my second problem, but it does so by fiat. IIT says that only the maximally irreducible crystal is the conscious mind. Why? Because it has the most information? But the others have a claim to existence too, do they not? Does something which is greater in information exist more than something with less? 
In a physical sense, I don't see how something can exist more. It either exists or it doesn't. Further, the idea that the crystal that exists, the maximally irreducible one at a particular temporal grain, does not make sense. There should be thousands more crystals at a hundred other temporal grains, but exclusion rules them out. I don't see that the fifth axiom of IIT is self-evident observation at all. I see it as a solution to a problem that arises according to the logic of IIT, and I see the axiom of exclusion as patching it. My own framework does not include any such patch, and no such thing is needed. In the second episode of this podcast, I provided what I think are the characteristics of consciousness. I said that human consciousness is a unified composition of contents. The contents are specific and meaningful, and they exist from a point of view. Human consciousness is continuous in time. It is limited and coherent. There is a lot of overlap here with the axioms of IIT, but the differences end up making a difference. I'll share with you the summary from my paper on the TICL. Remember, TIC means Temporally Integrated Causality, and that simply means the amount of causality over the amount of time it takes to achieve it. In the article in Consciousness and Cognition, I wrote, quote, According to the Temporally Integrated Causality Landscape, TICL, framework, consciousness is composed of contents that have meaning from the point of view of a single large system. Subsystems of integrated elements thalamocortical neurons and neuronal groups, provide the substrate from which these conscious contents emerge. Subsystems have a level of TIC that is higher than that of the system. Thus, the TIC for the whole system provides a threshold for meaning. All subsystems are components of a larger system from which the conscious whole emerges. The contents have meaning in accordance with their particular relationship to one another from a larger point of view. The conscious experience exists but it does not exist to itself. The contents of consciousness exist to the system in which they occur. This is how they are unified into a single dynamic experience, but differentiated in their individual character, spatially and temporally. During a state of non-consciousness, integration is insufficient to establish the system. Without that, there is no point of view from which to evaluate any level of integrated activity occurring within a local network. Furthermore, conscious contents have their own spatial and temporal grains in accordance with the TIC of the subsystems underlying them. Conscious experiences are dynamic compositions of contents. They are temporally continuous. So during non-consciousness, the propensity for elements to shift into down states prevents conscious experiences. I propose that the TICL is the full neurocorrelate of consciousness. Accordingly, the content-specific NCC is the TIC of an individual subsystem." The inescapable conclusion of IIT is that some level of conscious experience must emerge from any system, no matter how large or small, as long as it has some level of integrated information. The conclusions are quite panpsychist. Even small electronic gadgets must be a little conscious. This is what the theorists conclude anyway. The bar to achieve consciousness as a temporally integrated landscape of causality is substantially higher. A system can only be conscious if there is something within it that is distinguishable. In order for rich meaning to occur, the system must be very large indeed. With total synchrony, that is total integration, there is nothing to distinguish, no content. There must be a large integrated system to experience the dynamics of its constituents. And the only way to experience those constituents is if they are differentiated from the system as a whole. This is why a subsystem, which provides meaningful content, must have a level of TIC that is higher than the whole system. 
If we could measure the phi for these subsystems according to the methods of IIT, the subsystems would have a higher level of information, a higher level of order, a low level of entropy. The system exists, but according to the logic of IIT, the subsystems exist more. They have lower entropy, lower uncertainty, but they do not exist to themselves. At least I don't think so. Meaning is relative. They exist relative to the system which experiences them. For me, the conscious experience as a crystal, a singular monad existing to itself, is wrong. The TICL separates the point of view upon the contents from the contents themselves. This accounts for the sense of dualism that we have. The whole experiences the dynamics of its parts. The way it experiences them is in terms of their meaning from the point of view. I am not the contents of my experience, but they are part of me. I am the point of view to which the contents, rich in all of their qualia, have meaning. They exist to me. They are part of me, all of them within me. In order for me to experience something, say, to see something, it must exist inside my mind. It must emerge upon the landscape of my experience. It will come in its own due time, independent of all other modalities and contents. From my point of view, that of the whole mind, I can understand the meaning of the contents in terms of one another. A whole world is thus created just for me, but I am not the world, not even my own little world. Rather, I am the thing within which this world's wonders are manifest. I am not the man at the center of a sphere of experience. I am the sphere within which the man, like everything else, exists.